Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, I've got a review of Season 3 of Stranger Things. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. A rom-com classic celebrates a big anniversary this week, and we'll have what she's having. I'll also tell you about another show I've been watching on Netflix. It's one that you, Jeff, would not be able to stomach. Ooh. Because a lot of people lose their stomachs in this show. It's a Canadian-made gore fest called Slasher. But first... Season 3 of Stranger Things, or simply Stranger Things 3, debuted on Netflix on July the 4th, and I plowed through it this past weekend. If you're not familiar with Stranger Things, here's some quick background. Season 1 debuted in the summer of 2016, rather quietly. I didn't even know it was a thing until people started going on about it. Like, did you hear about it? Nope, it was just uh, another Netflix show, and then for some reason it just grabbed a lot of people's attention. It snowballed in word of mouth, and away we went. And it became a pop culture phenomenon. It was about a group of kids in Hawkins, Indiana. It's set in the 1980s and it is super nostalgic. It's like the Goonies meets E.T. meets all things Stephen King with all sorts of shameless affection for the 80s, complete with a title card that uses the font from Stephen King's Needful Things. One of the boys goes missing in this town, one of the group of friends, just as a girl with superpowers shows up. She has psychokinetic and telepathic abilities, i.e. she can move things with her mind and see into other people's minds, sort of. There's also a monster lurking about from another dimension, which the kids call the Upside Down. Season 2 debuted in October 2017 as a bigger threat from the Upside Down emerges, and now in Season 3, that threat has returned. You let us in. And now... You are going to have to let us stay. It doesn't make sense. I closed the gate. What if he never left? What if we locked him out here with us? He'd want to attach himself to someone again. A new host. That all sounds quite nerdy and sci-fi-ish, but this show does a great job of balancing all that kind of stuff with its relatable characters who are now going through adolescence, which means girls! But not everyone is happy, and hey, even the adults have their issues too. We're not kids anymore. I mean, what did you think? just gonna sit in my basement all day play games for the rest of our lives it's important to me that you feel safe i want you to feel like this can still be your home I mostly played that clip just because I love what they did with that music from The Who. Might be hard, though, Police Chief Hopper, to keep her or anyone else safe. We are going to end you 
We heard early last week Netflix announced the show had set a record with 40 million people tuning into the show, with 18.2 million having already finished the show by Monday, July 8th. But I, again, yeah. I always take Netflix numbers with a grain of salt. Absolutely, even on a long weekend. Impressive, though. Still, the numbers are impressive. It no doubt is once again a blockbuster. I'll say that I like Stranger Things. I like it a lot. I was very excited for this. I love the kids. I love the 80s nostalgia. I love the sci-fi. But I've gone on record as saying I think season one is totally overrated. It's bloated. It's only eight episodes, but I think they could have told that same story in four episodes, maybe even two episodes, and make it a true 80s throwback by just making it a two-hour movie so then it can be like a sort of a salute to the movies that the show is honoring. Season two I liked more. But I also liked less at the same time. It too was bloated at nine episodes with this really long, dragged out storyline about the Supergirl in question, Eleven or L as they call her. But the overarching threat from the Upside Down was really cool. And again, the kids in this show are just so great. Season three, I think, was the best effort in terms of pacing. Not once did I feel like it was moving too slowly, and all of the characters were involved in their own little adventures. There were three groups solving three independent mysteries, and all three mysteries pointed to the same spot in the end. And the way that the show eventually brings all the characters together is genius, and it's emotionally powerful, I thought. Also... Just the opening credits of Stranger Things are among my favorite things on Earth. It's a catchy song. It's a very catchy song. And I like how the logo slowly moves up. Yeah, just gives me goosebumps. I turn the music up loud. I never skip the intro, you know, when Netflix gives you the option to skip it. No, I just sit there with this big dumb smile on my (laughs) face, tapping my toes. They're just cool. Great music. And uh, it really does feel like I'm watching something from the 80s. It's so well done. What you're hearing right now, by the way, is something called the C418 Remix of the Stranger Things theme. I just stumbled upon it on YouTube one day. Visual effects, worth pointing out, are tremendous in Season 3. This is now a huge budget show, whereas early on it was fairly modest. They were oh, like so a, that means they show more stuff. Like yeah. in the first season, they would you know show it as sparingly as possible to save money. Oh yeah, there's no, no expense spared in this, I'm sure. They were great, but they were also... Super gross. Really? Yeah, like this season is not for the squeamish. The monster is, quite frankly, disgusting. And seeing what happens to some other little critters and people while the monster is doing its work is also gross. So take (laughs) note of that. It's gross. If you're into gross stuff, though, which I sometimes am, then you'll like it. A very 80s gore, and you'll like the humor in this show, the emotion. Once again, super relatable, and it's just fun. And newcomer Maya Hawk, who is Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's daughter, was a breakout star. How many children are you friends with? That's her talking to Steve and Dustin, and uh, only one line of dialogue from her there, but she was a wonderful addition to this already amazing ensemble cast, and that's one of the things that this show does well. Like they, the It's a great ensemble cast. For the most part, I think they don't... 
you know, they, they, some characters don't get lost. I'll get on to that in a moment, because I, yeah. I do have some gripes about Season 3. David Harbour's police chief, Jim Hopper. One oh. of the coolest characters. Yeah, he's the best. Well, in this season, no. he was near insufferable. Uh, the first couple of seasons, I thought he was gruff, but heroic. A no-nonsense, get-results-tough guy. He wasn't perfect, just a normal guy trying to make it through the day-to-day grind while also helping to save the world with a group of kids from an interdimensional threat. But in this season, for whatever reason, he's this whiny, jealous buffoon, and the way he treats Winona Ryder's character has actually been called out on social media by the likes of Rachel Evan Wood from Westworld, who calls his behavior toxic, to which, of course, she was then criticized. Whatever, I'm not going to go down that hole. But the point in the end is that Jim Hopper kind of sucks in Season 3. He eventually pulls it together, but he's mostly a jerk. It also somehow felt like the dynamic between the boys was lost. Like, Lucas in particular is one of my favorite characters, and he barely got anything to do. And I think that's partly because his little sister took to center stage this time out. She was great, but it was the camaraderie and friendship between the boys, I think, that really made the show special. But they split up the entire cast for much of the show. Some of it worked really well, like Maxine, new to the show in Season 2, had some tremendous fun with Elle. And Will got to showcase himself a bit more, uh, being sad that his buddies are more interested in girls than Dungeons and Dragons. But I think my biggest gripe has to do with the sub-antagonist. Yes, the Upside Down and the Mind Flayer, the Big Bad, are the main threats. But well, this isn't really a spoiler because you're introduced to them immediately when you start Season 3. But there are Russians involved this time out. Classic 1980s <laughs> bad guy, the Russians. Oh, yeah. The Soviets. And we go through the entire season without learning what they want. To destroy America. I guess so, but but why specifically do it this way? We never learn, so I guess we're just going to have to wait for Season 4. Which, by the way, like for some reason, I thought Season 3 was to be the last one. I am certain I read something after Season 2 that they were going to do one more, and that was it. But clearly I missed the memo months and months and months ago where there was talk that there would be a fourth season. Because there's a scene in the end credits to the final episode that nicely tees up a fourth season. Also with that fourth season... I guess it means another return to the Upside Down and perhaps the Mind Flayer. And that is already starting to feel a little old. Like, I, I think I would like to see them conquer this enemy once and for all and just get on to something Stranger different. Stranger Things and not Stranger Thing. Yeah, like, it, it's cool. I like that they, there's a familiarity, but yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, it doesn't feel like it's evolving. I haven't watched any of this, so I don't know what they're teeing up or whatever, but just getting back to the thing where they split everybody up, maybe if they did, like, a season at summer camp. Yeah. Then they'd all be together. It'd be fun. Yeah, maybe change the setting. I don't know. And that's a good, there's a lot of good 80s tropes on summer camp scary movies, too. Well, actually, we're going to get into some of that a little bit later on in that slasher show. Uh, Just a quick interesting note. A recent study says that smoking on TV is on the rise and Netflix is the worst offender with 866 references to smoking so far in 2019, whereas in 2018 there were 299. Uh, Stranger Things is particularly guilty of this, partly because it's the 80s and smoking is still rampant. Hopper is almost always smoking. Mean Guy Billy is always smoking. He, by the way, has a great turn this season. Actor Dacra Montgomery gets to show some depth, whereas in season two, he was just basically a bully with awful hair. Still has the awful hair. He was the new one last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, Maxine is his little sister. Right, right. right. Uh, But now there's more to him. And uh, so on on the smoking front, though, Netflix is vowing to change this as they move forward. So just kind of interesting, 
like, why is it way up? The tobacco that's companies weird. must have their money involved in Netflix. So. Well, there's also more shows. Maybe that's why it's in. Yeah, probably. But it's just it, kind of a weird thing to, to study. And good for Netflix, I guess, for recognizing, like, hey, just because it's historically accurate doesn't mean they have to yeah. do it. And also, there's a scene where Billy comes out. He's a lifeguard. And he shouts at a bigger kid and calls him lard ah. I won't finish that. But <laughs> yes, that was a good way to show Billy as a jerk. And I suppose that's also historically accurate because that was something people said in the 80s. I guess they still do. Well, in the 50s, because it's in Stand By Me. Yes, and I was thinking about that <laughs> earlier. That's right. But did they have to go the... Sh- that, I don't know that they needed to go the fat shaming route. Yeah, I mean, maybe weird. I'm sounding too much like a social justice Avenger, but I just didn't see the need it's for that. It's Warrior, not Avenger. I call it Avenger. <laughs> I know it's Warrior, but That's I like to call awesome. it Avenger because I'm a geek. <laughs> they just they could have had him easily say something else to remind us he's a jerk. They didn't need to go that way. Maybe just because the kid was wearing a t-shirt and that's what I would wear at, at the pool because I was always too shy to take my shirt off because I was I was a big kid. I was oh, a really? fat kid. Well, you look so. great now, man. Well, oh, thank you. I wasn't, um, wasn't fishing for compliments. I but. know it's because it's gross and gory and stuff, but I, did, there's not like swears in the show, though, is there? Is uh, there there's a couple. Okay. I think there might be one F word and there's a couple of S words. Okay. I, I, I couldn't, I just thought, I was thinking, I don't think they, I couldn't remember them swearing, so I thought maybe it's like a PG thing, but it's, if it's gory too, then why not? drop all the f-bombs they want well and the gore the gore isn't like r-rated like it's not violence gore but it's just it, the monster is just disgusting okay. like it's really repulsive and they didn't it like it didn't bother me i just thought wow this is gross hmm. overall though season three easily the most entertaining season so far it wasn't perfect but it was fun it cracked along at a great pace and it's made me want to go back and watch the first two seasons again and re-watch the third season and with a number of shows now available out there it's rare that i want to go back and re revisit something but i might just have to go back for more stranger things so i guess i'll give season three four couch cushions out of five in spite of my gripes and concerns excellent i gotta get a little i gotta get around to it sooner or later i will hopefully before summer ends i got so much stuff going on you watch season two right oh yeah okay i'm all caught up so up next we're gonna tell you what is new on home video turns out jeff just got one of those in the mail we'll explain next you're listening to the couch potatoes welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett going to take a look now at what's coming out this week on home video. You have bullet immunity. I'm bulletproof. <laughs> you're dead. Sorry about your window. But you're welcome for not getting robbed. Oh hey, what's up? I'm a superhero. Shazam! Yeah. Comes to Blu-ray on Tuesday the 16th, starring, I, I say starring Chuck, but that's not that guy's name, is it? It's uh, Zachary Levi. Yeah, there you go. And this is a DC Universe one. Is it actually connected to Man of Steel and all that? I believe it's part of the that universe, but this is just a more comedic one. Yeah, and it looks good. And they actually sent us the Blu-ray. I haven't got around to checking it yet, but we'll do that shortly. Well, you did just get it. like Yeah, moments ago. <laughs> yeah, as we, are, as we are recording this on Thursday, July 11th, it came in the mail here at work to to Jeff. So yeah, it's the Ultra uh, the Ultra HD 4K version. The fork one, yeah. I don't have a 4K equipment. Yeah. Well, you got to get one. But I this is one that I wanted to see. It got decent reviews. Yeah. Did okay at the Looks box fun. office. Like it, 140 million, not a lot in terms of a superhero movie, but it's it 
it was a, a comedy superhero movie, so that doesn't really, and it's a, not a hugely well-known star, not a hugely well-known yeah, character superhero, but uh, looks fun. It so, does look fun. Yep, so I'll definitely check that out. Okay, so that's on Blu-ray on Tuesday. On digital HD on Tuesday, we've got something called The Intruder. That was with Dennis Quaid, I believe. Yeah, that came out in. Uh, I've just got the information here. The Intruder debuted on May third, oh. and uh, it was about the this couple that bought a house. Uh, that was previously owned by Dennis Quaid, but he keeps showing up and saying, no, don't do that to my house. And like, hey, man, this isn't your house anymore. And then things get nasty. Previous owners. My gosh. Uh, there's something called Ugly Dolls, which is a uh, an animated movie that didn't do much at the box office, I don't think. Yeah, big flop. This will be probably me saying this now will be the last you ever hear of Ugly Dolls. Yep. And then Longshot, the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron uh, romantic comedy. The, I saw that when that was in theaters, and I really enjoyed it. it was, I thought it was very funny. It's got a lot of good heart in it, but it, mostly it's really funny. And it's just, I, I like watching Seth Rogen do his thing like that. And Charlize is always good. And she does, her range keeps growing. Yeah. Because I don't, I'm, I imagine she's been in comedies before. I don't, this is like a raunchy R-rated comedy. I don't recall seeing her in anything like that before. Fun fact on The Intruder, Longshot, and Ugly Dolls, all three of those movies were released on May 3rd, I guess in the wake of Ve- Avengers Endgame. The studios were like, <laughs> ah, we're not going to put out our tent poles. We're but we're going to put them out on digital HD before Avengers. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully someday somebody will watch our movie. Up next, going to tell you about another show that I've gotten into on Netflix this week. It's one that Jeff Braun just simply would not be able to handle because it's gory. Ugh. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. In our next segment, I'm going to tell you about this Netflix show that I've been watching recently because the third season debuted back in May. It's called Slasher. I'd never heard of it, but I love it, and I want to tell you about it. But, Jeff, you're marking another anniversary here. What do you got? It's not been a really good year at the movies, but it has been a really good year for anniversaries. A couple weeks back, we talked about Batman's 30th. We've covered uh, The Matrix's 20th, as well as talking about 1999 in general, which is widely regarded by many nerds is among the greatest years in cinema. There are also a lot of great 25-year anniversaries this year. Forrest Gump turned 25 weeks a few weeks back, and of course it was part of that stacked Oscar race that included Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption. Those anniversaries will come up later this year, but this weekend, it's the 30th anniversary of one of the best romantic comedies ever, and uh, frankly, I think a movie that really gave birth to the modern rom-com, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan star in When Harry Met Sally. I mean, are we going to carry this thing around forever? Forever. It just happened. It happened three weeks ago. You know how you to a person is like seven years to a dog? Yes. Is one of us supposed to be a dog in this scenario? Yes. Who is the dog? You are. I am. I am the dog. Mm -hmm. I am the dog. I don't see that, Harry. If anybody is the dog, you are the dog. You want to act like what happened didn't mean anything. I'm not saying it didn't mean anything. I am saying, why does it have to mean everything? Because it does. And you should know that better than anybody, because the minute that it happens, you walk right out the door. I didn't walk out. No, sprinted is more like it. We both agreed it was a mistake. The worst mistake I ever made. I rewatched when Harry Metalli this weekend. It still holds up, more so maybe for its style and general story than for some of the specifics. Billy Crystal's shtick isn't nearly as edgy or funny or whatever we may have thought back then, but it does suit the movie and his character, and even though he's a bit of a jerk, you can see how audiences and the women he falls in love with would love him. His assertion, which is a crux of the film's argument about love is that men and women can't be just friends because the dude always 
always wants to sleep with the lady. Ah, I doubt that was really even the case back then. Not every dude is a raging horn dog for everybody he meets, but it's a good rom-com kind of trope, so fine. Those are my only real nitpicks. The movie has so much going for it, so many amazing talents and elements that came together in 1989 to create this. Here are just a few. The other actors, for starters, Meg Ryan. She's born for this stuff, and she's a little stronger here than in maybe, say, You've Got Mail, which is good, because Crystal's character requires someone to put him in his place from time to time. And they have great chemistry, you can't deny that. They both go on to do more rom-coms, and she sort of definitely had a more success with romantic comedy, but he'd shine a little brighter in a regular comedy like City Slickers, for example. And City Slickers, of course, also starred Bruno Kirby, who also stars in When Harry Met Sally. He's always fantastic, and he is here as well. Here he is, being terrible as the gang plays Pictionary. It's a monkey, it's a monkey. A monkey see monkey do. It's, a, it's an ape, going ape. It's a baby. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, she just said it's a baby. How about Planet of the Dopes? It doesn't look like a baby. With a big mouth. mouth big, uh, Mick Jagger is a baby. Mm. Baby ape. Baby ape. Stop with the apes, would you uh, please? Baby's breath. Ba baby. Ba Rosemary's baby's baby, mouth. Baby. Won't you come ba home, Bill? Baby. Baby, baby, baby kiss baby, the baby. baby. Melancholy baby baby's fish, mouth. Baby fish. Baby fish mouth. Ethel baby Marmon. fish mouth. That's it. Time's up. Baby talk. Baby talk. What, what, what's that? That's not a saying. Oh, but baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation. <laughs> uh, Bruno Kirby had this aggressive energy that it was very unique. He's about the best actor you can get for uh, being your comedy buddy. I, I really love him and everything, and I miss him. Carrie Fisher, of course, rounds out the crew as Sally's neurotic, neurotic best friend. And few do neurotic as well as she could. I love her and miss her as well. Um, the director of the film is Rob Reiner, and his career does not get enough credit. These are his first seven movies, Brett. This is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Wow. Seven movies, and, and maybe with the exception of The Sure Thing, which I've not seen, those are all either great or masterpieces, and they're all those in the span of eight years. That's from 1984 to 1992. I wow, think. that yeah. is a that is an amazing run on his part. I don't know. Why did he stop making movies? I, he didn't. He just made worse movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no one ever mentions Rob Reiner when they talk about great directors, but, I mean, any director would kill for that list. Uh, of course, Reiner would probably be quick to point out those movies all also had some good writers, the improv of the Spinal Tap guys. Stephen King wrote Stand By Me and Misery. Uh, the late great William Goldman wrote The Princess Bride. And Aaron Sorkin wrote A Few Good Men, who wrote When Mar Harry Met Sally, Nora Ephron. The greatest rom-com writer there ever was, because she also wrote Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. You add all that stuff up, you add some Harry Connick Jr. to the soundtrack, how can you miss? Uh, a couple of other things I noticed on Rewatch this week. There's that glorious 80s movie thing where the runtime is less than two hours. This movie is 95 minutes long. Uh, if they made it today, it would be two hours and ten minutes long and have half an hour's worth of useless scenes. The 80s were just good at the economy of storytelling and getting to the point. I don't know, maybe it was all the cocaine that was <laughs> floating around Hollywood back then. They just did everything quicker? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Speed up. up cut up. Um, <laughs> Harry and Sally, spoilers alert, they don't hook up until the last 20 minutes. That sort of blew my mind. I forgot that they were just friends for most of the movie. For some reason, I had it in my head that they were friends got together quickly, dated for a while, and then broke up and then got back together. 
or something. But no, it's much simpler than that in its machinations, which also sort of makes it run a little deeper emotionally than constantly having them flip back and forth. So that was I was surprised by that. And also it looks gorgeous. Romantic comedies in New York back then really made sure to make the city look romantic. I think they sort of take that from Annie Hall, and you can feel the Annie Hall influence all through this movie. Not like a rip-off, but a, as an homage. New York in the fall when you're in love just always needs to look amazing on the movies. And then the famous diner scene where Sally fakes it still has the greatest punchline courtesy Rob Reiner's mom. Oh God. Oh. I'll have what she's having. If you haven't seen it in a long time, definitely worth revisiting When Harry Met Sally, which turned 30 this weekend. I must confess, I don't think I have ever seen When wow. Harry Met Sally, nor have I seen Sleep is in Seattle, but I have seen You've Got Mail. So of the 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 Meg Ryan Holy trinity of romantic yeah. comedies. You've I've seen, only seen one of them. And a lot of people would say You Got Mail is the worst of the three. I would agree with that. Just based like on, I liked it, but I, I, I can't see it being as good as the other two. Yeah. So, yeah. You should get on it. You you like romantic comedies because you always go on and on about love, actually. I know. Good romantic comedies are good. Uh, so I don't know why. I, they put Add it to the list of movies I need <laughs> yep. to see. One day, if you, if you see it coming up on TV... Just hang out and watch it. All right. I will do that. But I also like Rip Torn. I am a writer. As a writer, you learn that everyone you meet has a story. Every bartender, every taxi driver has an idea that would make a great book. Presumably each of you has an idea. But how do you get from there to here? What is the bridge? From the water's edge of inspiration to the far shore of accomplishment. That's Rip Torn in 2000's Wonder Boys, a terrific film from Curtis Hampson, where Torn played a pretentious writer. He passed away this week. His publicist says Torn died peacefully Tuesday afternoon at his home in Lakeville, Connecticut. Rip Torn was nominated six consecutive times for an Emmy Award and won in 1996 for Best Supporting Actor in a comedy series for his role as Artie on The Larry Sanders Show. What is that? I don't know, but as soon as I finish this salty dog, I'm going to rip that camera from his hands and tear him and you... Having a good time, huh? All right, all right, all right. All right, listen now. Uh, yeah, Jeannie, she's uh, still she's, changing. She is still, she is still changing. Listen, I don't understand women. I agree. Here, have a salty dog. No, I... Drink it, you <laughs> I don't know what that is. I would like to try a salty dog. It's a cocktail. <laughs> I got to look it up what a salty know. dog is. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good in that show. My oh. God, he was good. <laughs> uh, Rip Torn is also known for his roles in the Men in Black franchise. Let's put it on. Put what on? The last suit you'll ever wear. And uh, of course, I think my favorite, we remember him as the crazy dodgeball coach in Dodgeball. You're going to learn to be true dodgeballers. Then you've got to learn the five D's of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. If you master the five D's, no amount of balls on earth can hit you. Um, shouldn't we, like, learn by dodging balls that are thrown at us, or...? That's what this sack of wrenches is for. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh. 
<laughs> Riptorn was 88. I've heard that clip like 10,000 times and it never stops oh, being funny, especially when you add leave the sound effect in. There's really good sound effects in that. Movie. Yeah, Riptorn, he was so funny. <laughs> and just hearing all of those clips, clearly this is a man with incredible range. Yeah. You know, we're using that Wonder Boys. And then uh, Larry Sanders for me still was, uh, I think, the, the best that I saw him in. But he, like even like lesser Riptorn is still better than almost everything else. Yeah, like he's one of those guys where it's just like your movie's good already, and it's like or whatever, and it's like, well, let's just add Rip Torn to it, and just it just cranks it up to the next level. Yeah. Up next, I'm going to tell you about the show that I've been binging lately. I paused to watch Stranger Things, and then I resumed Slasher. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. I started watching a show recently because its third season popped up on Netflix, and I was sitting there wondering, like, what is that? It's a show called Slasher. So I decided to go back and start at season one. You want to turn back? Your parents were murdered in the house we're about to move into. It's just a house in a town full of secrets. You knew what they were doing. People in this town, they lie. Staying alive oh. means stopping the killer. We have a copycat. I'm going to find him. And I'm going to kill him. I would hate to see history repeat itself. Why you tell me the truth? So Slasher is a Canadian anthology horror television series that actually I think was sort of, it was co-produced by Super Channel and Chiller, which was an American cable and satellite television channel that uh, it actually ceased. It was only in uh, operations for a couple of years. It, It wrapped up in 2017. But this show was produced for Chiller and Super Channel. So the first season debuted in 2016, and it was later retroactively subtitled The Executioner. And then the licensing rights for the second season were acquired by Netflix. So that season was called Guilty Party. And now this third season, uh, Guilty Party aired, by the way, in 2017. And then the third season, which just began at the end of May, is called Solstice. So I'll I'll just tell you about that first season. You heard in the clip, it's about this woman who her parents are killed in, like, her parents are killed as, like, she's still not even born yet, and her parents are killed, and then she uh, survives the attack, grows up, for whatever reason, decides to move back to that town and into the house where her parents died, which is an idiot. It's such a dumb premise. Who's going to move into the murder house? Yeah. I don't know, that's but that, that's part. I, it, that's one of the. This show has fun by sort of honoring like dumb things that yeah. people do in horror movies, like the snarky guy in Scream. It's like this is what's going to happen next, and it's just all the different the rules of horror movies and stuff yeah but but at the same time it takes itself seriously like this is uh each season is eight episodes and um it was fun it was scary but super violent and it seems to get more violent as it goes so that's the first season which i thought was pretty good it had some really bad acting for the for much of it but it had a good mystery it had creative kills if you're into that kind of stuff and then the action really ramped up for season two of the decisions that you and your friends all made on that day. That girl. Did you guys kill her? The only way that we will survive is by finding this killer. Don't do this. And stopping him before they kill again. So we mentioned you mentioned the summer camp 
sort of theme for Stranger Things. Well, Guilty Party takes place kind of in a summer summer camp in the past, but in the present, it's in the winter where they've revisited the location of this summer camp. So it's about this group of camp counselors who... They, they they put one of their fellow counselors on trial for being a bad person, and they we don't know what happens, but this girl ends up dead, and then five years later, they go back to this camp to find her body, because they, they hid her body, and they have to go, dig, go get it, because, like, developers are coming in to dig up the land, and they don't want it to be discovered. That's a... They stole that from Goodfellas. Well, <laughs> okay, but yeah, like they, they they very much steal things from everything. Yeah, but this, season two, like <clears throat> was like the characters all had, yeah. yeah, the characters all had like great backstories, and the violence was so extreme and jarring, and in in some cases like really disturbing. Like there were some scenes where I was like, oh my god, that like and not involving killing. There was one, there was a, a really graphic assault. Uh, which I won't go into detail here, but it it left me and my girlfriend just kind of kind of like wow that was that was difficult to watch. But I really liked season two overall. It was much better than the first one. Solid mystery. Didn't quite know who the killer was until it was essentially revealed. I thought they were going to go one way, but they went another way, and then it all made perfect sense because it was getting to the point where it was frustrating. Like how can it not? Like what is going on here? How do they not know who it is? Ah, that makes sense. So season two is really cool. And then season three, which I just started watching a couple of days ago, so I'm only two episodes in. That's the most recent season, Solstice. And it's about a murder that that happens outside this apartment block by a killer that is known as the Druid. That's what the news dubs him because it happened on the summer solstice. And then one year later, people start dying again. Oh. Every, and it's at the same apartment block. He's picking off all these people who live in this apartment block. And so far, again. super so- violent. And again, they've introduced all these characters with great backstories, and uh, I would highly recommend it if you like scary stuff or if you like gory stuff, but if you can't handle the gore, stay far, far away from slasher. I'll just listen to you talk about it. Yeah, like there's one scene, for example, I'll just tell you what happens, okay. where it just kind of like, guy. there's a knock on the door, guy opens the door, and you expected him to die, Yeah. but the way that it happened, just even I said like, oh my god! And I like this stuff, keep in mind. It, the killer like is is there with a chainsaw and just like shoves it into his gut. Jeez. Like it has some of the most violent That's stuff. I've it, more violent than any slasher movie I think I've ever seen. So I had a nightmare this week about us, which we saw what, four months ago? You're still having nightmares yeah, about yeah, yeah, us? Yeah. yeah. I guess that's kind of creepy. But okay, yeah, do not watch Slasher, Jeff. But I recommend, if you like this kind of stuff, check out Slasher. It's on Netflix. Or if you're on uh, Shaw Blue Sky, you can also get access to some of the episodes through your PVR. But hey, that's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.